the latest people, trends, and news on sustainable living in and around our corner of the country. Down to Earth with Mrs. Green, Spotlight on the Southwest. And now, Mrs. Green. Welcome, everybody. You are indeed listening to Down to Earth with Mrs. Green, and we are going to put yet another bright spotlight on the Southwest. I am Gina Murphy-Darling, and I always want to thank you for listening and for being a part of Mrs. Green's world, because without you, there is no me, let's face it. And first, I'd like to thank the sponsor of our show and a great partner of Mrs. Green's world, Tucson Electric Power. And to say once again, I want to acknowledge all they do for our community when it comes to energy energy efficiency and the community in many given arenas and areas and programs and we're going to talk about that. They not only invest time and money in these countless programs and in nonprofits, they partner with numerous other organizations to work together to improve the quality of life for all of Tucson's residents. And let's remember this. The people that work there are Tucson's residents, so they really care about this community because they live in it. They don't work in this community and live somewhere else. They're all a part of it. And I always like to acknowledge that. And I hope you're ready to hear about another important and impactful TEP ongoing initiative. I didn't even know what to call it, but it's it's integrated into their mission and to the way that they show up every day. And it is reflective of their everyday is Earth Day approach to much of what they do. And indeed, there's not anything I can think of that isn't incorporated in that approach. So joining me in studio for these next 30 minutes is Shannon Breslin. And she has a long title, but I wanna say it anyway, because it's very impressive. It's a big deal. Manager of land resources, vegetation management, and circuit patrol at TEP. We could have a lot of fun with that, Shannon. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> I'm glad you're here. And I honestly mean it. It never ceases to amaze me when I find out about another major area of focus for TEP when I already thought I knew everything. Like I'm a TEP know-it-all, and I'm really excited to learn more. And I did learn more in researching this show. So why don't we start with a little bit about your background and how your role in in helping with to provide, you know, TEP's commitment to the critical balance between providing safe, reliable service to us every single day because we want it. It's 88 degrees today. We want our air conditioning. I'm sorry. And then to protecting sensitive resorts. It's a delicate balance. So what's your background and how did you come to be in this job with a long title? Well, hello. Thank you so much for, for having me. Um, it is a long title, isn't it? Um, it is, but it's like I want to know everything. <laughs> well, it'll be a long show. The My background is in resource management and land development and protection of sensitive resources. I've been so it's doing, a perfect title. <laughs> and, and I've been doing this work since the late 80s, early 90s. I've worked for environmental companies. I've worked for state agencies, uh, work for river authorities, and now I work for Tucson Electric Power. I, I love this opportunity. I came to TEP about 10 years ago, and my team is responsible for all the right-of-way work. We do all the land rights for the company, and every piece of equipment that the company needs to put on the ground. Like you say, we love our air conditioning, right, because it's 88 degrees out. We need a land right, and a lot of those land rights, they need environmental permits, and that depends on if it's a small little 10 by 10 transformer pad, all the way up to a 500,000 volt transmission line. We need to make sure that the landowner and the regulators, 
that their approvals are obtained and that the sensitive resources are stewarded. And so that you literally have the right of way. Absolutely. There's a lot to that. Holy smokes. From a little bit to a big lot. Yeah, you're kidding. Um, Talk to us a little bit in detail about some of the pieces along the way, because you have to maintain transformers and you have all these distribution poles and you have to site. Tell us about what does that journey look like in your everyday balance? It's a big deal. And that's why I kept reading this and saying, wow, like, wow. Well, I, I agree you're as excited as I am. We have generation and a lot of the generation comes from New Mexico, other parts of Arizona, locally here from our various power plants. And we have what we call extra high voltage or EHV lines that bring in large amounts of electricity to the Tucson area. And then from that, we send it out to within our metropolitan area. And we have distribution facilities, the poles and wires that you typically drive around town to see. And we work with whichever jurisdiction those poles and wires are located in, whether it's the city of Tucson, South Tucson or Pima County and to make sure that we can place those facilities appropriately and that that we have obtained permission from that jurisdiction or from you as a landowner if need be and if there's any rare species or or any birds that nests that need to be identified or or any type of protection or or cultural resource protection that we need to employ we do that for those facilities so there's a lot behind the scenes before you see that that we never see Mm -hmm. it's a pretty exciting story it, it really is. And it's, it's a, yeah. someone referred to it earlier as a bit of a nested doll, right? You start <laughs> opening it up and then you get down to what you, that one pole. There's a, yes. there's a big story behind that one little pole driving down the street. And how it got there and how it came to be. I can see that as a children's book, actually. <laughs> and, you know, when you talk about, the, I really want to talk about the, um, the Pinal project to Tortolita because I watched this video and I'm, we're going to put it up on our website and tag oh, it you. on Facebook, but I'm watching it. I'm thinking, oh my God, this is going to be, I, I'm going to be honest. Okay. This is going to be like paint drying. <laughs> oh yeah. They're constructing a pole from here to there. Yay. And yeah. guess what? I watched the video twice and I would watch it again. And I'm the only one that made a comment. It blows your mind. And I posted it in preparation for the show. I posted it on Facebook and oh, I said, and the Mrs. Green's World page, and I said, if you want to blow your mind, look at it. So everything you're talking about, the right of way, the endangered species, which good luck on that one, <laughs> <laughs> working with all of those groups, which can be hard, and the, the you know, protection of vegetation, not just habitat. Mm-hmm. This is kind of like, is this the quintessence of what all of those moving parts that I consider. Tell us about this project. It's humongous. Well, I'm so excited. I, I was that was that was a wonderful project to be a part of. And and my team seventy six million dollars. Right. One and, project. And forty miles long and, and we we hardly uh, impacted any vegetation um, or cultural resources or even the the vegetation along the way, we hardly even cleared any of that. Uh, we, worked, we knew we were going to build this project, and it was a 500,000 volt or 500 kV kilovolt project. It was the largest that the company had done in quite some Ever. time. True. Ever? Ever. Maybe. And, well, of that voltage. Right, right. And it was in an area that had, it was undeveloped, and we wanted to be sensitive to not remove all the vegetation within the right-of-way. 
when you put poles and wires in the air, you want to make sure that they're protected, trees grow up, and, and you want to make sure they don't come in contact and, and create an outage or create an unsafe situation for people either constructing it or maintaining Got it. it. And when we built this line, we took extra effort to identify, we, we identified the vegetation that was sensitive and we were able to relocate or avoid. So what's um, an example of sensitive vegetation, like a 100-year-old saguaro? Absolutely. Or, those, that's or 100-year-old ironwood trees or all the smaller cacti, barrel cacti, anything that may have been underfoot or under the tire in of the construction in yeah. the path. The company worked so hard to keep a smaller footprint that was still a safe operating zone for the folks building it, but we only um, impacted um, eight 18% of the right-of-way that we secured for this project. You know, a lot of this, um, folks don't That's realize... That's mind-blowing. And I did read... I don't know if I'd I say mind-blowing. Like, it's so rewarding. It is so exciting. It, is, it really is. And, and encouraging. Thousands, thousands of, of uh, cacti, succulents, and uh, trees were either avoided or relocated. Cultural resource areas were identified and we're not impacted What's by the What's an project. example of a cultural resource? Can you? A cultural resource, you're looking at areas where there's pot, pot shirts or Got it. Got middens it. or other things of archaeological significance that you don't want to harm. And we worked with archaeologists to identify the boundaries of those cultural resource areas. And we worked with construction crews to learn. We had an ongoing mapping. So it was a live mapping of the area so that if you and I were driving down the road and we're folks working on the construction, we would see what they call survey lath on the ground that says, oh, here's a sensitive area, drive through slowly. Okay, we're exiting the sensitive area, leaving there. We So for like the drivers of the trucks? Absolutely. The construction people? Anyone that came on that sensitive site, area. For anyone wow. from, from watering the road to make sure that there wasn't friable soil to people constructing the poles, everyone went through environmental training. Everyone got the same message that we're thrilled you're here. We want you to work in a safe way. We want you to regard these resources that we, as we do as sensitive, and we want to protect them as much as possible. It was an incredibly rewarding project. We saved lots of partners, millions of dollars. We protected of yeah. thousands of plants. Yeah. And, and why did? What was the purpose of the of the project? In order to connect Pinal Central substation and Tortolita substation okay. to to import power for the Tucson region. And, you know, this is the stuff, like, I I know that I am a total goofball. I own it. I, I hashtag it. I'm proud of it. But when I was doing research for this show, yet again, front and center for me was there's so many things in this world of sustainability that I have entered into over 10 years ago that people have to do a deeper dive. We have to understand that we want power. It is 88 degrees. It's hot as heck outside. And I want my I want my air conditioning. It doesn't have to be freezing, but I want it. I want my toaster to work. I want my cell phone to be able to plug in. And I want people to understand the deep dive that you guys have to do <laughs> to make it all happen for me and that you care deeply about the environment and its impact, which I don't believe that you have to. I think it's a, it's a value that you espouse, but it's not a mandate. You're absolutely right. It, it goes far beyond, you know, compliance is the beginning. It does. And, and one of the most rewarding components of working uh, for TEP um, is that 
this company has a commitment to that. It, they, they truly walk the talk. And like I said, compliance is just the beginning. You have many federal and state laws, the Endangered Species Act, the Migratory Bird Treaty Act, the Clean Water Act, the National Historic <laughs> Properties Act. I could I'm exhausted. The, it's a rap sheet, right? But that is just the beginning. When you protect sensitive resources and, and landowners, uh, their rights, and, and when you have a regard for the community, it's truly an investment. It goes far beyond just complying with the law. A mandate, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's the place from which you come. And I remember talking about way back, I mean, TEP has been a partner of mine since almost the beginning. And I have learned so much about when people ask me about solutions. And I just look at them a lot and I say, you know what? It's complicated. Do you want the long answer? Because a lot of people don't. They don't want to know the deep dive. They don't want to know the long answer. And that's part of what I get excited about. My role is translating that, is why did you have to do this? Well, that makes sense because it's, it's all about me. And that's, that's how people are. Mm. What does that impact my life? And being a person that spends a lot of time out in nature, I care about saguaros. We just came back from Apache Lake and that back road where there are hundreds and hundreds of saguaros that are hundreds of years old. And you want to keep those. It's part of our desert heritage and our, our, the beauty of why we live here. Well, in any way you look at it, it is part of our heritage, whether it be from, from a First Nations perspective or yes. from us. Yes, or whether thank it's you for from, pointing that out. Or whether it's from a, a recreational investment. People come here, these, I like to call them charismatic megaflora, right? When you look at these plants, <laughs> yes. no matter, they're, they're awe-inspiring. And people, there's... There's millions of dollars spent here for people to travel to Tucson to see this incredible concentration of saguaros. It We're is. so blessed. We kind of live in a postcard. We talked about that this weekend. That's we a live, great expression. We live in a postcard. We do. And I look out the window every day and say, I live in a postcard. Well, and that's what's so exciting, no matter which angle you look at, when you protect sensitive resources. It's, a, like I said, a community investment, no matter what perspective, you know, from, from recreation um, or, or from the law or, or just from your own personal interest or, you know, from the historical component of it, the landscape benefits, property values benefit, the, you know, when you do what you can to make sure that vegetation is protected or cultural resources are protected or rare species are protected, um, you really are demonstrating a regard for your community that goes way beyond compliance. And I came to this company specifically for that because I was so impressed by TEP, and that was 10 years ago, um, that I wanted to come in, you know, roll up my sleeves and, and join that effort. And, and I have been greatly rewarded with many opportunities to do that. And in fact, I'm encouraged to, to serve on boards, to extend our influence. And my background is in, you know, resource management and land development, which blends, uh, I have one degree in endangered species protection and another in land development, right? Because I believe in that balance. Right. To right. make sure that the small footprint is the wise footprint. And that truly is TEP's investment. And if that isn't ever a tweet, <laughs> the small footprint, I mean, I just, it's sad that I now think in tweets, but the small print footprint is the wise footprint. And that is so true. And I have not heard that expression. And I have to reflect on your attitude because you can't fake your enthusiasm and your passion. It doesn't happen. And I've sat here in this chair for many years and hundreds of guests, and you wanted to be a part of this because of how it makes a difference. And that, that matters to me. It's what I love to, 
tout and shout out about uh, about the kind of people that that work there with Hutch at the helm. Well, I appreciate this opportunity. Isn't that a tweet, Hutch at the helm? <laughs> um, so, but there's another piece of this that I'd like to go into if we have time, which I think we do. Uh, and I said Earth Day is every day and what that means to TEP. It's integrated into so many of the programs that TEP manages every day. Let's talk about some of them. And I have, I have programs, I've done my homework. So let's talk about just cactus rescues. Like, you know, I didn't believe it when I read it, but you have a cactus rescue program and you collaborate with organizations. And I'm like, touche. That is one of my, one of my um, I don't know, one of my favorite aspects of our vegetation management. We work with the Tucson Cactus and Succulent Society. Which of course I did not know existed. These are amazing the people. Oh, I'm sure, I'm, I'll bet you looked it up. These are amazing I people. I did, and I want them on my show. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, I will set you up. What they do is they go out and, and they orchestrate a whole cohort of volunteers. They, they work with folks to salvage and, and rescue before a uh, development comes in. They've worked with uh, real estate developers. We decided to bring them on board for us to demonstrate that it can be done on linear projects and that we can, you know, a lot of times you don't necessarily see that small little hedgehog cactus or a barrel cactus might be hidden behind another tree, right? Well, they go out, they identify, you know, what's going to get harmed and it gets relocated in the same basin within the Tucson basin. With very thick gloves. Oh my gracious. <laughs> very thick. Welder's <laughs> gloves. Like, right? What? And and I would very much invite you to one of the salvage efforts. It's it's very rewarding. We've done that. We mentioned before with Pinal Central to Tortolita, that transmission line project. They um, helped salvage uh, I think our latest total that I saw was almost fifteen hundred um, cacti that would have otherwise been... And in what I read, it said this, the, there was one project for the future site of the Orange Grove substation, mm-hmm. and they rec- they got tw- 1,200 plants from that site alone. Little, Are you kidding Little me? tiny mammalaria, little pin cushion cactus <laughs> that were dug up and relocated. And what they do is those cacti, either you, you get cactus bucks for helping as a volunteer, and you can use that to get cactus to, for, to plant in your own home here. Or it can go to anybody. They have public sales, and people it spreads the word about you know the vitality of, of cacti in the region. So, is there like sometimes a call for volunteer? And I think that I'm on the, the the consultant to the Chapman Green team. We love to do those kind of projects. One day, I'm happy project. to make you up. Because I'm serious mm-hmm. because we do all kinds of things in the community. So that would be a fun one, and there would be lots of jokes around that. <laughs> So we can find out about the Tucson Cactus and Succulent Society. TCSS. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Mrs. Green, I'm saying, I looked at him, I was like, what? And then, of course, it's down the rabbit hole, click again. And then, of <laughs> course, public enemy number one in this town, and I'm barely kidding, is Bufflegrass. And I've had guests on the show. I've had the Bufflegrass Society, Beatback Bufflegrass, um, BJ from Tucson Clean and Beautiful was mm-hmm. on to talk about it. It's so sad, and it's an invasive species. To tell us about what TEP's efforts are in that regard for the buffalo grass removal, it's going to take everybody in the city to go out. Oh, everybody in the region. It's it's a terrible problem, as you point out. I refer to buffalo grass as an agent of Satan, right? It's <laughs> it's, it's, it's just, the devil. It's it really is, and we do everything we can through individual removal efforts. In the last year, we worked at Sabino Canyon for Beatback Buffalo Grass Day. We've worked out near our power plant. Uh, We're creating an integrated vegetation management plan that will address 
buffalo grass removal in many different ways. Um, it'll Is be there any plant that eats buffalo grass? You should know that. <laughs> <laughs> Not to put you on the spot, Shannon. I'm not sure yet, but we're going to figure that <laughs> She's out. She's going to work it See, up. people, you know, over the years, it was brought here to for soil stabilization, right, for mines. Cows eat it, and people harvest it um, down um, across the border. And because it enables folks to have a, a make a living in, in areas that, that aren't... Um, that aren't many opportunities to make a living. And, and then um, it, it's just, it's a problem that I'm not certain we've decided we couldn't beat it back. We can't eradicate it, but we can keep it at bay. Right? And even that, just maintaining where the level it is, because it's a threat to people's homes. It's so flammable. And a lot of, yeah. It's, and, and to the vegetation, as you say, the other vegetation and right. the critters. The to critters. both the natural and the built environment, right? right? So right. It's, it can burn your home down or it can crowd out critters or it can, heaven forbid, a fire starts. Obviously, the Sonoran Desert landscape is not adapted to fire. And that right. fire scar right. lasts long beyond us right and and so people don't come here to see a fire scar they come here to see you know the beautiful tucson these iconic saguaro that that have no way to fight back in the event of a fire and we think about it it's not just especially in this time when we've just experienced mega fires some of the most devastating in the history since we have written history of the mega fires Buffalo grass is the devil of the really potential is. for mega fires. Mm -hmm. If we have no rainy season and it grows, or if we have rainy season and it grows fast and then it's really dry, that's the, always the mixed blessing. And I just want to interject here that all of these things for people who might be spurred on, there's going to be a big effort. I think it's usually in January Absolutely. where the hundreds and hundreds of volunteers come out and it's like beat that back buffalo i can't say it fast Beat back buffalo grass day Beat it's, a, it's a tongue twister day. it is mm -hmm. but you can read more about it if you go to the tep website which i salivate over you just have to put it in the search bar and you'll find <laughs> out about it and then of course let us give a little bit of homage to the raptor protection program that was one of my favorite shows that we ever did with tep i love it i am a hawk nut and so tell us a little bit about that it's never it never ceases to amaze me the extent to which you go to protect the hawks that live on the on the icon telephone poles, and I know that that dates me. So yeah, the utility show, poles. Ut oh, I love it. Thank you. <laughs> utility poles. So, so right. So the raptor populations of the various species they're increasing, in large part, because of a lot of the bird guarding that we do. All new construction. Remember, I was mentioning the distribution poles right, and wires. Right. All the new construction gets bird guarded. It's automatically built into the construction protocol, and then we collaborate with the University of Arizona to help identify where nests are of, of various species of raptors. And we put bird guarding on poles um, in, within a certain distance. And, and you can see them. If you look, mm -hmm. you can see them. And one of the things I love about this program is the public really does get engaged. And you get a lot of they calls do. from mm -hmm. people that say, I saw a hawk, can you help? And it's not a click. It's like, how can we get out there and make a difference and save those hawks? Absolutely. We even have that happen at our at our power plant. You know, it's, it's attractive for, for some hawks right, to right. nest at. So we put up a nesting platform for, for to encourage them to use that as opposed to you know, part of the generation equipment. Anything we can do to, you know, encourage hawks to and, and other raptors to thrive in this area, um, and and implement any necessary changes on on our poles. It's been really successful. We're really thrilled with that. That started about 15, 20 years ago, and 
it's a it's a big it's a big favorite of Mrs. Green. I can tell you that. Well, I wish people you. would listen to that show again because it's a great podcast. And our guest was equally as excited. He was <laughs> fun to have on the show. Okay, this one stumped me. It's like you know they're stumped the guests. Well, this is stumped Mrs. Green. So I read this and I read it again and then I read it again. Owl habitats. TEP creates new homes for burrowing owls that lose their habitats because of construction through a partnership with wildlife rescue group Wild at Heart. So do tell. It's like, right. okay, so you're moving. Do you dig the holes for them? What do we you do? do? <laughs> we do. We, we have heavy equipment Not that we use. Not your average utility company. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, we, we make sure that we, we partner with Wild at Heart and we use our heavy equipment to help create the installation for the burrowing owls. And we have volunteers that come and, and are part of the crew to make sure that the artificial nests can be created and then we go out and we help release it's been a very successful collaboration at at one point we had burrowing owls we welcomed that on our campus and we had uh, I think three or four um, burrowing owl areas and gradually over the years um, it winnowed down to maybe one active area and when we saw that they weren't back for that we collapsed those burrows because we knew we we're doing a, a very large modernization on our campus and we weren't going to be able to accommodate them. We've been stepping up our assistance for burrowing owls in the area because of that to make sure that they can thrive too. It's, it's, it's been a very successful program. And see, what happens for me is I think I'm like the amateur science, Bill Nye, the science guy. Okay, it's Gina, Weena, the Mrs. Greena, the science <laughs> queena. Um, but you, you wrote about, or somebody provided me with information, mm-hmm. there was one that you did at Paseo de las Iglesias River Park, mm-hmm. and things that you don't think about, that it has open land because the owls have to have a clear view of approaching predators. I mean, we recently have a doggy living with us now. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, we never let that dog out without a leash because Thank I have you. had two friends. Mm-hmm. The hawks came down and they had little dogs and there's nothing you can do. And like we're like, oh my God, talk about hopeless. So there's a lot of pieces of that in terms of you don't just go dig a hole on a plot of land. A lot of no. thought has to go into where you know, you're doing where it's, it. You know, if you put them in a certain area, are they going to have enough food? Is there a population that, of, of mice or rodents that they can eat? Do they have perches? Is there a fence? Is there something large that they can sit up on for a good view shed? Are they going to be, like you say, away from predators like dogs? Um, or are they away from traffic? That's a hazard as well. Burrowing owls don't typically fly around all the time. They're pretty much on the they ground. They stay walking. on the ground. They're so mm-hmm. adorable. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen yeah, one in so long. They are they they are adorable and and if I think if you were to interview a burrowing owl they like no I'm not <laughs> they're <laughs> tough just, right they are just yeah they're mm-hmm. absolutely and positively mm-hmm. adorable and then you know we could do we have done many shows about what I tout the most probably is TEP's um, energy efficiency programs for homes and businesses mm-hmm. and the reason I do that is because I'll never forget it when I had Hutch on the show and he said something about. We will not have to increase our grid load and build more power plant or whatever invasive thing that that might be. <laughs> Don't kill me, Hutch. <laughs> uh, about um, 
because of your ener the success of the energy efficiency initiatives and the rebates and the willingness of homeowners and businesses to retrofit, to put in energy efficiency light bulbs, and the beat goes on. I mean, it's very, very impressive, and there are many programs. Right, and the program that uh, I'm the most familiar with is our Shade Tree program as part of that. We have to talk yeah. about that. Trees for You. It's, been a, it's, a, yes. it's a revised, modernized version of our tree program. It's called Trees for You. You can find it online. People can log into their TEB account, and for a very small fee, they can purchase trees and then pick them up at about four or five nurseries around town, spread throughout the region. We want to get people to plant trees in areas where they can shade their home away from the sun. It's, as you know, it's a very simple solution to, to energy efficiency. Um, and, and it matters a lot because mm -hmm. we, it, it, it shocks me you know, my husband laughs at me about when I go to find a parking spot in the shade, and it's kind of like shade, it's a not huge back east. You bet. You, you know, big cottonwood shade that you see up the road a bit, but any bit of shade here matters, and it helps with our heat. It helps with building the canopy, and it's you know, there's just no downside to planting trees, and it helps your electricity bill. Like, hello, it helps lower that, and, and that matters absolutely. And those trees that you know are in. I don't know, the wrong place, if you would, or that they're incompatible with our facilities. Um, in, our, in our distribution service territory, we, cl we clear those rights of way, um, and then we bring that yard waste, about 20 truckloads a week, to our Irvington Power Plant campus, and we compost, we chip, and we compost and windrow that with the Savannah Nursery, and then that turns into uh, valuable compost that we... It reduces tipping fees to the landfill. It keeps green waste out of the landfill. Um, and and it creates a, a product that goes back into the community. It's that the would green otherwise gift been that thrown keeps away. on giving. Yeah, and that matters. But mm -hmm. those things all matter to me. This show has been absolutely delightful to me. And the time flew. Everybody, you can find out all you want to know. One stop, TEP.com. And their Facebook page is very interactive and very um, up to the date. Jen Ziegler and her team are doing a great job. So you can go to Facebook, Tucson Electric Power. December 5th, my birthday. Dave Chadwick and Bill Greer, Conservation Leadership, Staying the Course. A great show. Our next down to earth, Ryan Anderson, TEP Goes Sunny Side Up, all about that great program. Shannon, thanks so much. This was delightful. And thanks for all you do and all you know. Thank you so much. I very much enjoyed the opportunity.